Thanks for subscribing to the ZonCon podcast, the podcast all about Amazon conversations. These are the tips and tricks to become an Amazon millionaire. Here is your host, Andrew Erickson. He is all things Amazon, and so is this podcast. Let's have an Amazon conversation. Hey, hey guys. Welcome back. This is Andrew Erickson with the ZonCon podcast. I'm here sitting in Chiang Mai, Thailand, one of the digital nomad capitals of the world. I just spent a month in Israel and a week in Morocco and a week in Spain traveling around, met my dad for Christmas in Spain. And cool enough, he actually got engaged to his girlfriend while we were there in actually in in Portugal when he got engaged. So it was kind of cool. I got to be there traveling with my dad in Europe and got to be there with him when he got engaged. That's one of the fun things you get to do when you have a lifestyle like this, a digital nomad lifestyle. One thing that's really, really cool about this lifestyle is you can actually save quite a bit on taxes. Now, I know taxes are really boring, so we're not going to be talking about all sorts of like nickel and dime things here and there. We're going to be talking about this really cool thing called the 330-day challenge. And that's this really neat thing where if you spend a few, if you spend a better part of a year outside the U.S., you won't be paying any income tax. That's like zero income tax. Okay. That's, a, it's not a hundred dollars here and there because you got gas mileage off of your car or something. We're talking about 10,000 plus dollars saving on your, on your taxes. And I'm actually here interviewing my buddy Jack, who writes for the website 330day.com. Hey, Jack, how's it going? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for being here. So you're based in LA, right? I am. I'm in uh, just south of LA in Newport Beach. Ah, that's a very nice area. Yeah, you know, it's 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 about 50 degrees right now, so it's it's not as nice as usually it is, but but it's still pretty good. Nice. That's great. So, you're based in in Newport, but I'm guessing you really already live a digital nomad lifestyle, right? Like you probably don't need to be sitting there on the beach in California as as terrible as that sounds. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. One thing that had got me thinking is since I run an e-commerce business, I kind of just sit in my home office all day and I figured, you know, why do this when you can go out and, and travel and people say, you know, I'm going to travel once I retire, or once I have enough money and I am now in a fortunate spot where I can work from home or from anywhere as are you. And so I figured why not just go out and travel and work at the same time. So yes. that's something. Yeah. So I've tried that out now, like a part-time digital nomad lifestyle where I'll go travel for a month or two months at a time and then return back. But I am planning to head out on the 330-day challenge on February 11th to see if I can if I can do it and Yay. See how much money I can save in the process. Awesome. Okay. Okay. So give me a little intro. What is this 330-day challenge? Why is it a challenge? Why, what's, the, what's so important about 330 days? Okay. All right. So, so our website is called 330days.com. And the way it, it came about was we were selling one of our e-commerce businesses, an FBA business through Empire Flippers, an online brokerage company. And I was talking to the broker on the phone and he was like, yeah, I'm in Costa Rica right now. And I was like, oh, okay, well, shouldn't you be, you know, trying to sell our business and, and not on vacation? And And he's like, He's like, no, I, I don't go back to the U.S. Only uh, I have to finish my 330. And 
I'm like, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. What was the 330? And so he explained to me that if you stay out of the US for 330 days out of 365, you pay no federal income taxes. You would still pay Medicare and payroll taxes, but your federal income taxes, you would pay none up to, I believe the limit's around $105,000, which is obviously a lot of money to be making. But the savings that you'd be paying in federal income taxes is just under, I think, 20 grand alone. And so he was explaining that he funds all of his travels by, you know, staying out of the country for that long. And and so I had studied accounting in school and in, in college, and I've always kind of prided myself on, on understanding the tax code and being able to hold my own talking to accountants and stuff like that. And I, I found it odd that I'd, I'd never heard of this. And so I started thinking like, well, you know, if you if you reframe that thought, what what really happens is is like if I stay out of the country for 330 days, I get to spend an extra around 20 grand on my travels. So it's 11 months, you know, 20 grand that goes pretty far. You can stay basically anywhere you want for free rent wise or you can go to, you know, lower cost countries and just fund your entire lifestyle from it. And so I called our CPA for our company and, and I was like, is this real or is this guy going to get, you know, sued by the IRS or he's going to get audited or, you know, something's going to happen to him. And he's like, no, 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 this is this is real. And I've been considering actually like writing a blog about it, about, you know, how people can do it. And, and so I asked him, hey, do you want to partner up and we can we can write together and I'll be, you know, the guinea pig that goes out and does it. If you can, nice. yeah. <laughs> I'll do the fun part. And then if you can like write, you know, some of the accounting pieces, because it will help a lot if a CPA, you know, has their name next to it. And it's not just some guy, you know, that's like, yeah, man, I swear you can totally do this. So he wrote the majority of the articles, all the ones that have like actual, you know, tax advice he wrote. So, yeah, so that's what the 330days.com is, is us explaining this is the tax law. These are the rules to it. This is how you qualify. This is what you can and can't do. And then I'm writing a case study on myself about how the idea and then the logistics of setting yourself up to be able to go, especially as a business owner, getting like all your ducks in a row is really important. So you don't go bankrupt, you know, four months into it. And then we have, you know, other articles about what you should do with your cell phone, what you should do for insurance, what jobs are good if you're looking to go do this. And basically just kind of a forum for people to chat and just basically find like-minded people. Yes. Okay. I'm very thankful you guys did this because I, so one way that we connected was at a conference a year ago in Vegas, right? The Prosper Show, yep. Yep. which is a great conference for Amazon sellers. If anybody's interested, you should definitely go to it. I think it's every March in, in Vegas. It's, it's fun. Anyways, we talked about it and I mentioned trying to travel and you said like, oh my God, I had this huge blog. And I was like, really? Okay. I've been looking for like information out there. <laughs> And I went to your website and I literally read every single thing on your entire website. And so like, okay, cool. Now I know enough that I can go ask my accountant. And the funny thing is, like you said, you had never heard of this, even though like you studied a little bit of accounting and no one really ever talks about this stuff. And I went and talked to my accountants. They're like, ah, I don't know if you can do that. And I was like, okay, well, here's like a blog and here's like the little cited thing. And I went, I personally went, I'm sure you did too. And like yeah. read all the IRS laws on it, which is really easy. It's like a paragraph, right? You do a really good job putting it in layman's terms. But like, shout out to the IRS, whoever wrote that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they, did, they did a really good job. 
<laughs> yeah, it was actually good. I was like, I felt like a, like a real pro that I'd actually read the real IRS. Is it a law or a guideline? I don't know what you call it. A, yeah, a, I'm, not, I'm not sure the right term for it, document. but... But it it must have hired somebody that wasn't like an accountant to write that because it was like, you know, they give you good examples. Like if you do this and this, then you qualify. So like you said, like if you don't believe it, check out the IRS and and type in foreign earned income exclusion and you'll find all the details yourself. Right. Yep. I think if you just Google 330 in the IRS code, it'll pop up or you can also use F-E-I-E, foreign earned income exclusion. It'll pop up also. Quick read. Anyways. So I loved your blog because then I took that to my accountant and I showed it all to him. He said, yeah, I think you might be able to do that. I'm like, no, no, no. don't think like, no, can I do this? This is huge, man. Like, oh, yeah, OK, I'll look into it. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's, it looks legit. I'm like, OK. And I still I told my wife the whole plan. And so, so just in case people don't know, I am actually doing this thing right now. I'm right in the middle of my 330 day challenge. And so uh, my wife and I are traveling she's taking a sabbatical year and of course she's needs to she was like i need to double triple check that this is like a legit thing that you're doing you're not going to be arrested and put in jail i'm like no no no. i'm always above board on all my tax things i know the government has guns and prisons like i never fuck with them right like i never (laughs) screw with them and so like i always do my taxes very fairly i'm aggressive with like what loopholes i take but like i do it all by the book right yeah. And so we actually went and talked to a lawyer too, uh, just just to like give his blessing over this whole plan. And and he had done some seminar thing uh, on this three thirty day challenge. And he actually was talking to retirees. Oh, really? Yeah, he specialized in like and basically like old rich people taxes. And that was the only guy who in this whole like a, this whole firm tax firm that I went to who actually did had any experience in this yes it does seem pretty like unknown i i don't know because it it, it, you do have to reframe the tax code to like a train of thought like okay well how it's like kind of like a loophole for for travelers right you know like the millionaires millionaires all have their loopholes this one kind of just like snuck out there and since there's not like a lot of money behind it for for accountants to exploit you know they don't really to people because in the end, you're not paying any taxes to anybody. So, like, who would who would advertise it, right? Um, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, so. If you think about it, it's like it exists because people that are out of the country for and working shouldn't have to pay for the education system, the infrastructure, all of those things. The police force while they're gone, which I think is fair. I mean, you know, yeah. you're not here, you're not using any of the stuff, and so that that's what it's there for. So I, I don't understand why you wouldn't be able to go out. And just go travel the world. You're not using anything here, so why not use that tax money to to fund your travels? Yeah, it's funny because like I talk to people that now I've been traveling around and staying in various hostels and and other places where you meet travelers. There's a lot of people who live in Europe who have dual citizenship in the U.S. And uh, this is FYI: if you are a citizen and don't live in the United States, you always have to file a tax return. Now, it's easy. You just file a tax return and say, I paid a whole bunch of taxes in a foreign country and they, they don't make you pay any taxes. But because some countries have, if you have a higher tax in that country, you pay, you get to exclude all that off of your taxes in the US and like you don't have to pay anything, no problem. Okay. If the tax happens to be lower, you don't pay anything on the first hundred thousand, like you, like you mentioned. And so they do that too. But 
So this is really kind of, I think, for people who live other places full time, not necessarily people who are just going to do like a travel for 11 months. But the way the law is written right now, if you live outside the United States for 11 months, like you don't pay taxes. So that's how it's written. And that's how I'm following it. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I think one thing that's definitely important to note that people always ask is like, well, don't you have to wait for January 1st to go? And the, the fact is, is that you don't. It's any 365 day period. It could be from today, you know, I mean, it's pretty close to January 1st, but it could be, it could be any time during the year you want to set off on it. And what you would do is, is any income that's earned from when you leave in that, in the, your first year. So let's say you left in, in August, any income earned in August through December of that year would be excluded. And then it would carry through for however long into the following year. So it's not something where you have to do like, you have to do a lot of planning, but you don't have to wait for like the January 1st to come to like set out on the trip. Yep. That's, that's pretty killer. Cause like that, it doesn't really make a lot of sense if you have to start on the 1st of January, but if you could start any time, then it makes a lot more sense that you can do this type of thing. So one little thing that you mentioned is that you're doing a one person exclusion. Okay. Obviously not an accountant. So don't take my advice on anything but we had an accountant and a lawyer and everything looked this over. My wife and I are both taking this exclusion. So our combined married income, we can both exclude 105 or 104,000, whatever, something a little, 100,000 and change. We're both excluding it. So we both get to take a $200,000 deduction or total. We total together get to take a $200,000 deduction, yeah. which is killer. We actually wrote a piece in our, in our blog about the, the double exclusion that our CPA signed off on as well. He was actually one that brought it up. So that's awesome that you guys kind of get to, to double dip. I mean, that's yeah, some serious cash savings. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. So uh, yeah, okay. So we now know that the 330-day challenge is and uh, who can do it and what and all that fun stuff. So let's assume that someone is already running a, you know, a decent business and they're making an American income, right? whatever 50 let's say 100,000 let's just make the math easy and say they're making 100,000 and they want to do this challenge what kind of pitfalls might they face i mean what what's like can they ever come back what if they come back to visit their sick grandma what if they get homesick and want to go to, or they want to see like their cousin get married like what kind of pitfalls do they have to watch out for it's a good question there, i mean there's definitely some the truth is is like if grandma gets sick and you have to come back and you're back for 31 days sorry 36 days then you would not complete the 330 day challenge and you would still owe taxes on everything. The IRS is pretty strict. I mean, they're acting pretty cool right now, but they're also pretty strict with their rules. If you aren't, if you're only out 329 days, you know, you do not get the to qualify. The only rule that you can come back early is if you're in a war torn area or if I think it's just if there's a war torn area is the only way you can, you can come back early and still qualify. So the biggest pitfall to avoid is to track everything and to give yourself a few day buffer when you're mapping out how long you're going to be gone for. In my example, you know, two of my best friends and my sister are all getting married in the next year. And so I, I will be coming back to, I, I'm, I grew up in Boston. So I'll be coming back to Boston for three different weddings and that's fine. Even mapped out, you know, three days each. That's only, your, that's only nine days. So you can do everything most likely that you want to do with your family and then still be gone for the 330. 
But the, okay. the point being is keep notes because the burden of proof lies with you when the IRS audits you. And I'm not saying the IRS will audit you, but if they did, you would want to have all of the paperwork showing like this was when my flight was. This is when I, you know, I landed in, in Colombia. And then this is, you know, I flew back from Brazil on this day. And then I left. So you, you just want to keep that stuff. And then the other pitfall to avoid is if you have an e-commerce business or any kind of business you're doing is make sure it can survive taking it to the road and make sure you take uh, time zones into consideration when you pick your location. For me, I, I have done a few months at a time and to test this out to see like, okay, do we lose money when I'm gone? Or do we make more money when I'm gone? How much am I even working when I'm gone? How pissed is my business partner that I'm not around? You know, so you kind of have to check that out as well. But if you can survive that, then then that's great. And and I want to make a point as well that entrepreneurship is not the only way to do it. There's some really good ways being an employee and, and talking to your employer. You can do it. You can be a freelancer and using all those different freelance websites, you know, like the Upworks of the world. I know plenty of people that have, have been able to travel for months at a time freelancing. So it's not just for the FBA sellers of the world and not just, you know, the e-commerce people. Almost anybody can do it as long as, you know, you make a reasonable income and you don't have to be tied to a desk. That's awesome. Okay, great. So, yeah, that's a good point that you don't have to be FBA seller to do this type of thing. So I guess it, it makes sense so that you're making an American income, though, because if you're making $10,000, you, know, yeah. you could be living a very modest lifestyle, but like you wouldn't be paying any taxes anyways if you were making like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars Right. Right. Okay. Yeah, that's good. So uh, tell me, you're starting in six weeks, right? Yeah, I think even a little bit less, five weeks maybe. Yeah, five, six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. All right. That's exciting. Do you you know where you're starting, what you're doing for the first month, the first year? Do you you have it planned out like day by day or like just going to wing it the whole time or what? I'm a planner, so I had it all mapped out what countries I'm going to be in. But I I'm tr- keep trying to tell myself, like, just go and, and, and don't commit to too much because you don't know what's going to happen. But I, I have a flight to Brazil, uh, nice. a surf town, for, and I'm staying with a few friends for six weeks down there. And we have a, you know, a little sh- shack on the beach with good Wi-Fi. And so I'll just surf with them and, and, and work. And then... I'm going up to Peru to meet up with my business partner for a month until April. And then I have to be back for a wedding. And at that point, I'll decide where the next location will be. So nice. I'm going to probably plan to do two months in advance planning. And then other than that, leave it pretty open. One really cool thing that I would highly recommend to people that might be listening to this and being like, you know, that sounds cool, but I don't like travel. Like, I don't have my wife to travel. I'm not married or I don't have people to travel with because all my friends you know, have desk jobs and they don't want to to quit and get a freelance gig, which I totally understand is, is there's a community out there and it's called co-living where essentially there's a, there's a, a, a few different companies that do it where they rent a house in a foreign country and they get between like 17 to 23 people living in this one house or apartment building that are from all over the world that all just want a network of people to hang out with and work with. And you work together, you live together, you go out to dinner together. And I've done two of them now, and they have been phenomenally fun. And oh, really? Meet, yeah. You meet, I went to Portugal last September, and I was in Panama the year before during the month of October. And 
you just go and and now I have friends from you know I'm meeting up with a friend from Argentina and Brazil, and you know I have a good friend now in New Zealand and and you meet people from all walks of life and it's it's kind of like a hack to make sure that you you have like a social circle when you're seeing all of these places. But it's neat those the people that are there are working and they're working you know forty hours a week, but then after that they want to go see the city they want to go experience the lifestyle. So I, I would definitely recommend that stuff. And we ha- uh, on 330days.com, we have a list of all of the different programs that we know about right now. And if, if, you know, if anybody listening has heard of other ones, we'd be happy to throw them on the list just to give you kind of a, a menu of options. And, and, you know, some last a week, some last a month, some last a year. It all depends on what you want, all different budgets. So that, that's definitely something to consider as well. That's really cool. Yeah, it's a really good point. So one thing that has been nice is being with my wife, right? We spend a lot of time together now on this trip. But we found we thought we'd be in Airbnbs the whole time and just make friends like in the street or something. I don't know what I was thinking about that. Because like, it's really hard to meet friends in the street. I know like, oh, meet the locals, meet the locals. But like, most people don't want to become friends with you if you're there for like six days, you know? Totally. And so we end up actually doing like a week in an Airbnb kind of alone to just get a lot of work done and kind of relax and not do a lot. And then we'll spend another week or so in a hostel situation. That sounds, that sounds bad. <laughs> a, <laughs> a situation where you're in a hostel hotel, not a hostel situation. <laughs> but it's great because like you meet a lot of people and, and people in hostels. I mean, if you go to a little bit nicer hostels and we're getting our own private room in a hostel, we're not doing like the whole bunk bed thing. We've done that for like two or three weeks in the last six months, just because it's, we're in really expensive areas for those, for that week or two. But usually we're in our own private room and, uh, but you, but you're still in the hostel and those, the thing that's great about hostels are that they have all these people who are traveling, just like you said, traveling around the world, looking to do fun things. And they also host things like they'll host a beer night, they'll host a cooking class, they'll host whatever. And we actually did uh, like Shabbat dinner with the Shabbat's like a Jewish thing, right? Dinner at the hostel in Israel. And it was like one of the coolest things I've ever done. Oh. Had a guy came in and he's he's Jewish, he's Israeli Jew, he's not a rabbi or anything, but he like bless the bread and like gave a little talk about what it is. Oh, and also we were there for Hanukkah. So the hostel hosts a Hanukkah lighting every night and they do the full story of Hanukkah and they do the, the Hanukkah prayer. And it's just really neat. It's a really cool experience. So that type of thing. And I'm actually now looking at those kind of co-living spaces and we're going to be probably doing one in Bali Indonesia in March. What company are you going through? I I just started sending emails to all of them. I just clicked on every single one that has a Bali something in the next like two months, basically. So I just emailed, I literally emailed every single one today. So I'll see, I don't know which one, I don't know. Do you have any recommendations? Do you know Uh, a good one that you recommend? I'd have to think. It looks like, it was funny, I, I found like, five or six of them that do Bali in the February, March time. So I think this seems like a really good spot to do that co-living thing. You know what part of Bali you're going to? So place that everyone goes, I think it's called Udon or Ubud. Ubud. Yeah. I don't know. That's how you say it. I'm not sure. I think outside is supposed to be pretty cool. Bali. Let me see. 
Yeah, you should check out Outside. I have a buddy that went there and, and he said it was awesome. Do people actually work during those co-working, co-living things? You know, it's funny. There's people that do. I mean, the honest truth is some people do, some people don't. You have to be a self-starter. I mean, if you're in that situation, you're probably already somewhat of a self-starter anyways. But there's a lot of distractions there and you need to be able to like s- split it up and be like, I'm working today. But there's totally people that are like, hey, anybody want to go to the beach today? And you're like, hey, man, it's like Tuesday at like like 9 a.m. Like, I, you know, I have meetings and I have phone calls I have to make. But there's a lot of people there that are super driven, super successful. And some of the, the most interesting conversations are, are with the people on those programs because they've figured out how to es- basically escape the rat race. And they have all these different insights on how they've done it and like how they've done it with their businesses. And they have most are internet based businesses, but I mean, you'll learn about real estate, you'll learn about all all different sorts of uh, Mm. like e commerce, blogging, podcasts. Are they they Amazon sellers or are they like, I guess, is it just everyone there? It's just everyone. I'm the only person that I've met. I've done two. So I've met like 40 people, and I'm the only person that sold on Amazon at it, which was really. Because like people were wanted to learn about that, and I wanted to learn about blogging, and I wanted to learn about podcasting and graphic design. I mean, th- there's all all walks. Some people work for like big companies. Like one girl worked for Liberty Mutual, and she was somehow convinced them to work in Portugal for the month. Uh, nice. Yeah. So it, it's all sorts of people that are, that are pulling it off. That's really cool, huh? Yeah, I've looked at it. That's the other thing I kind of wondered, like, what kind of people are going to do these things? I mean, if it's just like. Uh travel bloggers i mean that's cool but it's just really different than my business no it's it's very it's not all travel. it's they have like a huge range of what people do it's not like a very concentrated and the age range is from like i think the youngest person on it was was 23 and the oldest was maybe 40 uh oh, so nice. huge range of of people and interests and i would say it probably hovers around like the the early 30s mark is like oh. the, the average age of the the people that go on them but I would highly recommend it. That's cool. Yeah, so that's good that you have like the two months plan. I was going to offer, I was going to say you should come to Bali because like February, March is like the perfect time to come to Bali. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. like, the Brazil sounds cool too, but you know, Bali is cool as well. Yeah. Maybe, maybe after uh, in April or something, I'll uh, send you a message and see where you are. Okay. So uh, we have, okay, uh, let me give you the, I don't know if this will make it into the podcast or not, but I'll give you the, like, the, the quick like lay down of like where we're going next. So we're here in Thailand for the next month. We're going to be mostly based in Chiang Mai, but then be hopping around a, a little bit, but mostly all within a very short distance of Chiang Mai. And then there's actually a digital nomad conference that we're going to in two weeks. Like the DNX thing? It's not DNX, it's Digital Nomad Summit is what it's called. Okay, cool. So it's like a ton of digital nomads there. It's supposedly like a no. hotbed. Really? Uh, I know it's a hotbed. We've only been so we were we've only been here for like four or five days, and the first like two, three days we were like doing kind of like holiday stuff with the new year. So we've only really had like two work days, and I went to a co working space today. But I didn't, I didn't talk to anybody when I was there because I I hadn't done any work for the last week. So like <laughs> I was like I need to actually do work. That's one thing I kind of thought I'd meet more people doing the three thirty day challenge or digital nomads or whatever, and I have met very few people doing it. Yeah, makes sense. 
and I try, like I go to like meetups and I go to these hostels and always there's a lot of travelers doing this type of stuff, but not a lot of people who are actually working and traveling and living a true digital nomad, nomad lifestyle. So it, that's why I got excited when you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah. yes. I got to I gotta talk. Yeah. <laughs> we got to convince the people. That's why we're doing it. <laughs> got to let them know. Yeah. So, so we got Thailand in February. And then we're going to go kind of do the rest of Southeast Asia. That's that's on the continent or whatever. So, so hopefully hit Burma, it, Laos, and Cambodia and Vietnam in February. And then we'll be going to Bali for March. And then we for sure have to be there the first two weeks of March because we have two people visiting us. And then we're going to go to the Cherry Blossom Festival in Japan. And then oh. I have like a two week, I guess it's kind of similar. There's a, it's not co, I guess it's kind of co-living, but there's a, there's this mastermind thing I go to that's uh, based around the Canton Fair in China. Okay. Cool. And it's called China Magic, and it's it's actually exclusively Amazon sellers, exclusively pro or semi-pro people who pay to be on it. And then there's like uh, there's like 40, 50 people who do who are like us who are kind of like pro or semi-pro. And then uh, there's ten. Sorry. How do you define pro? I, I mean, like doing six figures. I <clears> consider <throat> pro someone who could someone who's making like real money, not not like I just launched a, my first product and like. Like six no. figures a year, six figures a month. A year. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Like like someone who's making like five figures in profit. Yeah, sure. Or six okay. figures in profit. Like basically feed themselves from doing it. Feed themselves, yeah. Because like there's a lot, there's so many people who are like, I just launched a product a week ago, or I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it. I'm looking into it. I'm like, oh my God, there's so many people who are just like, think about it. I'm like, just do a thing instead of about, instead of thinking about a thing. Oh, that's why you're smart to do this podcast. How many people ask like, so tell me about, so how do you find a product? You're like, Hey, just like go on Apple and download this podcast, you know, and, and just listen to it and you'll, and you'll get it. And then uh, now yep. I don't have to ex- go through the two hour explanation again of, of, so how do you get this stuff from, from China to the U S and you're like, okay, gosh, to tell you this again. Yeah. Okay. So yes, exactly. And I actually recorded like a one hour tutorial or like how to, how I find my products and like a, like a one hour tutorial, because I, I got that question all the time. And I was just like, you know, do you have more questions? watch the videos on my website and then ask me more questions after that. Cause like, and, and the funny thing is that 80% of people won't even watch the videos. And I'm like, it literally answers every single thing I'd ever want with screenshots and everything. And I'm like, I love talking about it, but like, I like talking about stuff beyond like, what is Amazon? You know, like, uh, man, it's frustrating. Yeah. I know. I know the feeling. Yeah, if you are trying to figure out how to find a product, you can just go to my website, andrewknowsamazon.com, and just look at my homepage. There's the whole hour-long tutorial on how I pick products, whatever. But, oh, so anyways, this mastermind, the Canton Fair, at the Canton Fair, it's called China Magic. It's uh, 50 pro or semi-pro people, whatever. People who are doing like six figures, seven figures a year in sales. Mm -hmm. So they're making, you know, whatever, five figures, six figures in, in profit. And they're not too restrictive. Like you don't have to have like a certain revenue goal, whatever. But like you, ha- you can't be a newbie going to this thing. 40, 50 people who are kind of tuition paying people. And then they have uh, 10 mentors. And the mentors are people who are doing a million a month or more in sales. 
Okay. And you're at the Canton Fair, so obviously it's focused on Chinese suppliers and like how to pick new products and how to like talk to Chinese suppliers and all that type of stuff. Yep. Uh, but the cool thing is that because it's all Amazon sellers and there's everyone's like pro or semi pro, they're talking about relatively higher level stuff. And then the mentor guys, like these guys are rock stars. And most of them don't have a course they're selling. There's like one or two guys who have like an extra thing on the side, but they all are just kind of there basically to kind of network with everyone else. And you're sitting in China with notice, you know, you're not like with your family, whatever. And you just sit together for like two, two and a half weeks. And so you get to know these people like really, really well. And I've actually interviewed like three or four people that I've interviewed on this podcast that actually came from that network thing. Wow. That sounds like a great thing to go to. Yeah. So I'm excited. It's, it's so a little pricey though. After, it's like that comes after Japan. Yes. So that's the last two weeks of April. It's with the Canton fair phase two and three. So it's like April 20th to May 4th or something. So I'm excited about that. Like I've had that on my calendar since basically last April I went to it. Yeah. It's a little pricey though. I think it's, it's like four or $5,000 in tuition. To, and then you have to get there and, and, and pay and for you it. have to get there and then we stay at four seasons too which is like an expensive hotel so uh, um i split a room with someone but it still ends up being like 150 180 dollars a night yeah so like times 15 days it's like it's pricey you know where's your wife going we haven't figured that out yet so i'm like do you want to come with me like it's gonna be she's like oh, i like the idea of like going to that for like a day or two but i don't want to do that for like two and a half weeks yeah that's a long it's like time. really intense too man because like all the seminar stuff happens between 5 p.m and 10 p.m you know because yeah. that's when the, so every night they have like a little course they teach you like here's how we do listening optimization here's how we do this thing with uh many chat and here's how we do this thing with blah 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 and then you go to the canton fair during the day so most people are there from like 10 to 4 and then uh, 5 to 10, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at the Canton Fair, and then the seminar stuff. So it's like a lot of work. But do you know the dates for this? It's phase two, phase three of the Canton Fair. So I believe it's April 20th to May 4th. That's if you're I would interested. Like, well, a wedding on April 26th is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's like I, I figured. Yeah. They do it again in October. They do it every, they do it every Canton Fair. I highly recommend it. I, I loved it. Again, you have to be in a position where you can afford that kind of tuition. It's the only like expensive thing I do, expensive course thing I do each year. So I don't, you know, I don't spend any money on anything else besides that. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, anyways, after China, we don't really have anything planned. Uh, we can't come back until the middle of July. And that will get us until the beginning of May. So we have two months completely unplanned. We're thinking of maybe just hopping around some other Asian places, but also think about going back to Europe. And so I don't know. Also, we're finding cheaper places are a lot more fun than expensive places. Yeah, you just feel better about it, probably. You're like, I can get all this for five bucks. This is crazy. Dude, it's yeah. Like being in Chiang Mai, it's been so relieving because it's literally more expensive to go to the grocery store and cook for yourself than it is to eat out every single meal. And how good is the food? You know, the street, the street food oh, there? It's so oh, good. Food. Yeah. It's like oh, 50 bucks, so. which is like a dollar 40 or something. Uh, USD. Is, yeah. And they cook it like right there. Like you literally see them like chopping the vegetables and they put, and it's just like a lady on this like little 
grill thingy and she chops it up and then puts it right in the soup and serves it to you and and like oh, it's so good and they have all these like amazing spices and they it's all super healthy too it's like fresh veggies and uh, herbs and spices and stuff they don't use like these heavy creams or anything and it's just like so good yeah yeah so so awesome yesterday we i had lunch for 40 bots my wife spent 50 bots and then we had each of our, our dinner cost 60 bot each so that's like 200 bots which is that's that's the whole day's meal all for, for two large adults or well one large adult and one very uh beautiful petite adult um so 200 bot is like seven dollars oh man and, you're yeah. like, and it's just like ah, it's amazing it's on sale today yeah <laughs> yeah what's well, yeah, one, one thing on amazon <laughs> uh, so awesome wow. yeah so so one thing that's really cool about traveling with this 330 day challenge is you can go to expensive places and of course like you're based in southern california just like i am slash was and it's expensive to live there right yeah and compare that to living in London or Paris or Tokyo. It's not it's not cheaper to live in those places. And then of course if you add in that you're paying for like short term rentals and you're paying for airfare and you're paying these other little things that are kind of these little gotchas, it's it can be a lot more expensive to do this lifestyle. But one thing that's amazing is that you can Go to places that are extremely cheap, extremely safe, and really fun and have great internet. Like, for example, right now I'm in Thailand, and we are staying in a really nice place. I mean, it's, it's fair, you know, fair place. Uh, $20 a night has great internet, and it's right in the middle of the city. There's a food that you can buy that literally costs a dollar fifty per meal. And your phone, if you don't want an American cell phone, you can you can get a phone for like $10 a month for for like really good data plan or whatever. And what else is there? I mean, traveler's insurance, we pay $80 a month for traveler and health insurance. Yeah, you add all this stuff up and like it's very easy to live on less than $1,000 a month here. And you're living very nice. You're eating out every meal. You're able to go do recreational things. You can go. There's so many free things you can do and so many things that cost like 40 cents entrance fee. I mean, stuff is really cheap out here. And so like not only can you save ten, twenty thousand dollars on taxes, you're also able to reduce your lifestyle from your American consumer lifestyle down to like this like basic Thai lifestyle or a Mexican lifestyle or, or a Peruvian lifestyle. And it's just like really cool, like kind of getting back away from all these material goods and just going to like the simpler places to, to live these cool lifestyles. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And like, if you go and do this and, and you, you travel like that, you can actually end up with more money in your bank account than if you just stayed in Southern California or in Texas, so you know wherever wherever you're living, you can go travel and see the world for a year and come back richer than you would have been if you just stayed there. Yes, and I just you... is like if you consider that you'd be leaving your like for me, my example is I have an apartment here that I'm I'm going to be leaving the lease, and I pay around eleven hundred dollars a month for that, and then I lease a car for around two hundred and fifty dollars a month. So you know, right there plus all the tax savings that that's before you touch any money that you're making and that you would normally have to spend any spending money. It's all like your fixed costs. Anyway, when you apply that much money to whatever you want to do, 
you can basically go wherever you want. And then, like you said, or if you want to save money and be like, this is awesome. I'm going to go back to, to the U.S. with even more money than, than I should. Then you can go to the, the more inexpensive countries as well and have an amazing time. Yes. Yep. If you really want to be aggressive, you could maybe have a more than 100% savings rate. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Because think yeah. about it. If let's say, let's make the math easy, say make 100,000, say you're saving 25,000 on taxes, right? Or let's say 20,000 20, on taxes. You come to Chiang Mai, you live here for $1,000 per month, then you'd be spending 12,000 per year. Let's bump it up to 15,000 with some other airfare and other things like that, right? So you'd be saving 20,000 and you'd only be spending 15,000, which means that your, your net you would have would have made you would have brought home 80 or 75 whatever but now you're actually going to be bringing home something like 85 in your savings account like not consuming it saving the entire thing imagine what that could do for your business imagine what that could do for your student loans imagine what that could do for your retirement accounts Imagine what that could do. One thing we're trying to do is save up so that we can start having kids and, and bring one or two of us home for to take care of the kids and, and also live the Southern California lifestyle. So if you can save those huge chunks of cash and like put them away, like it's just amazing what you can do with it. All with the added benefit of, of seeing the world. Yes, yes. And you get to have an amazing lifestyle too. It's amazing. <laughs> You're really sacrificing nothing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, that's great. Okay, cool. So now we'll wrap up the podcast stuff. And let me go back to my notes. Okay, so one thing I like to I like to talk about, and I try to have like a little bit of consistency with each podcast is talk more about like why so I always like to do like actionable tips and like, you know, here's your one thing that everyone should learn from your from your stuff, whatever. And that's basically should be like a summary of what your interview is like. But one thing is I just like the whole entrepreneurial mindset, like what sets you apart as an entrepreneur? Like, why did you do it? And why do you, you know, what's your big why? And so, uh, Jack, I'm really curious, like, all this stuff is super amazing. And I'm sure we've already convinced everyone that traveling the entire world and saving money, experiencing everything in life that life has to give is already an amazing thing to do. But I'm curious it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes years and years of planning and sacrifice and risk. I'm kind of curious, why do you do this? Why did you start your your entrepreneurial business? Why did you start Amazon? What's your big why? This is a good question. So my big why is not like uh, necessarily like a very like noble, like, oh, you know, I do it for the kids. Or I do it to like the betterment of humanity. It's, it's I, I don't enjoy having somebody telling me what to do. And so I, I knew that from the get go that I would have to do something on my own that I could figure out. And, and then I found this stumbled in this Amazon thing. And my why is, is because it's competitive. And I've always been competitive. And it's something where we, the sales number is the score. And everybody else is the competition. And, and that's what gets me up in the morning to do it. And then I know that if I do it well, then I can sit in my house in Southern California and I don't have to go to an office and have somebody ask me where some report is or something like that. But I know that that's not the, the noble answer that, that I'm sure most people give you. But so the point of 330 days in the website 
is to put a little bit of good karma back into the world and 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 show people, you know, it doesn't matter if, if you're you do what, what I do, what Andrew does, what what anybody else does, that you can get out there and see the world on your own terms and you don't have to have somebody, you know, telling you no, you can't do this because this is how it's always gone. And so for right now, we, we don't try to sell anything to anybody. We don't try to make money from it. We just have it and see if people like the content and see if it resonates with anybody. And and maybe in the future, since I'm sure it's clear, like I'm not ultra passionate about what I sell on Amazon. I enjoy building things, but maybe we eventually turn it into a business, getting people, you know, out from from their offices and out into the world, out to Chiang Mai, you know, eating pad thai with their wife on on a Tuesday night. I think that that is is hopefully what my why turns into, but it's still totally like a journey of of figuring it all out. Yeah, that's a great why. I mean, honestly, no one does it for the kids. Like yeah. <laughs> everyone's doing it. Like it's a for profit business, and like yeah. you're doing it to to make a profit, right? Yeah. I don't uh, know. Most people do it for the lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I need money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess the difference though is that you can make money at like a day job, right? Yeah. Like why why be your own boss? I guess that's a great answer like cuz you don't want you don't want a boss. You want to uh, make do life on your own terms. Yeah, and I'd rather it's one of those things like you're responsible for your own life at that point. You know, you have no one to blame when when things go wrong cuz you made these decisions and you made this this set. So as an entrepreneur that that's something that that I find kind of exhilarating, knowing that if I make the wrong decision today, there could be drastic consequences in, in the coming months, or there could be phenomenal results in the coming months. And that kind of pressure like excites me and gets me to, you know, get on my computer and, and, and talk to people and, and learn and read and, and, and stay engaged in society. Nice. That's great. I love that. Kind of curious, like what's do you uh, take any courses or are there any favorite books or favorite podcasts of yours? I've always been obsessed with How I Built This with Guy Raz. Have you ever listened to that? Oh, I love it. That's my favorite one by far. The people on it are just like, those are my idols. So I've probably listened to like every single one of those. If you haven't listened to the Tom's one, the Tom's one is amazing. For books, was he like semi-retired, and then he decided he wanted to just do a business for uh, to, like he actually wanted to help kids get shoes, and then he <laughs> accidentally turned it into like a multi-million-dollar corporation or something. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Ah, but, I love that. <laughs> obviously, for money, and and then he was like, "Well, now I have money, and now I can do something that that's pretty cool because I have a, a good skill set, you know, that I can use to help people." And and that's just like a really interesting and I think something to aspire to after listening to it. And then for books, obviously like the Tim Ferriss four hour work week is like the Bible for people that that want to live like the digital nomad lifestyle. Just figuring out how to automate everything, not be doing work, but making money, which is essentially what FBA should be if you're doing it right. And then actually, you know, a book that I really liked a lot. I'm and an I'm sure you read it from the Michael Gerber, the E-Myth, that we, we saw him speak at the Prosper Conference. That is a really good book because it, you know, it bangs home that treat your business like a product, make it work as best as you possibly can and as efficient as you can. And so after reading that, it, it really made me re-examine how we approached our FBA business, our e-commerce business, and, and any business that, that we get involved in. What did you do different? Well, we 
instituted a lot of SOPs and we really made sure that the people that were reading the SOPs were, were competent and, and could do it without us overseeing them. And the SOP is a standard operating procedure. It's like a tutorial, basically, or, or uh, how you do a thing in your business. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, some things are, are somewhat complex and it takes a few pages to explain. And believe me, it's, it's a pain in the ass to type out. But if you're doing it multiple times a month or even once a month, you get it done and then, and then you don't do it again. And you make the, and you keep tweaking the, the standard operating procedure until it's perfect and people don't ask you questions about it because it's so clear on how to get that task done. And then that allows us to launch products quickly because we already know the funnel that it goes through to get it from, okay, approved to check sizing, you know, to packaging, to, to labels, to all of that stuff has now been ironed out where we can launch, you know, plenty of products at once and have the bandwidth to get them onto all of our sales channels before they they touch down in the US. That's great. So nit and gritty, like what are you using? Google Sites or or what kind of software are you using to share these SOPs? We use Google, the Google Drive where we keep a lot of videos that we, that we'll use just like a video recorder. Uh, ah, okay, like, so you do like a like a screen capture video some of, of you narrating as you do it. Yeah, or mixed with so it's important that you have to know how to do every task because then you have to teach it to somebody. And then we use Trello. I don't know if you've used that before and, yeah, and that's that. been really helpful. So with a combination of Prello and Slack and the Google Drive is kind of like our holy triangle of, of how we keep everything organized. Nice. And so I'm curious, like how many VAs you have and what are they doing? And are they VAs or is that who you're giving these SLPs to? Yeah, yep, VAs. So we have a few VAs. One is only full time and one's like almost full time, but he does like mostly graphic design work. And so... It just feels like there's just some down points where we don't need them. So it didn't make sense to just pay them for when we weren't using them. And then we have a whole team of freelancers that know like what we need. And they'll come in, especially like when we launch products, we need them to do a whole bunch of different things. Hmm. So, so yeah, so we have a, a few VAs and then a, a whole bunch of freelancers. Nice. That's good. Yeah, we're actually, like I said earlier, we're actually looking at hiring a new VA really soon. So, Yeah. That's good. So tell us right now, what kind of, what actual thing can Amazon seller do today, right? As we're listening to this podcast. I mean, it just depends on how sophisticated you already are, because there's obviously like some low hanging fruit. I'm just going to speak from a slightly higher level than if you're just like trying to figure out which products to sell. Once you have a business, you know, build your business around strong SOPs with, and then Take the time to vet your employees because having a bad employee is a pain in the neck, especially after you train them and they know your SOPs and then they only work 20% of the time you're paying them for and they're not putting in the effort because you didn't do a good job of vetting them. Then that's like a, a big misstep that we've made before that we won't make again. How um, do you vet them? You give them practice tasks, really, and then you kind of have to like have a like good SOPs for onboarding people. So then it's not as of a pain in the neck to get the new people in, but you, you, you test out a few at once, you know, and then the ones that are showing promise, you keep them on. And then it's not very expensive to keep two VAs on for a month, testing them out. And then at the end of the month, you decide who you want to keep on full time. So, I mean, Great. we haven't perfected it, but it's something that we realize that we, we need to. And I would say like, all, like always looking at those and always looking at your people because when you are not around, when you're in Chiang Mai out to dinner, 
they're the people that are going to be looking over your business. And if you just kind of half-ass, like, oh, this is the first person applied, uh, let's just take them, then it's going to end up very poorly to your business, for sure. And then the Good. other thing I agree is, that. is know your numbers, like, really, really well. Know what you pay in shipping. Know what you pay in duties. Know what you pay in inbound shipping. Know what you pay in fulfillment fees. Know that your price, where your price points are. Know which products are profitable. And make sure that you, if one, one tip is, I think you might have even said this at the Prosper show, but we is, is very true is, is keep your stuff standard size. If it's close, if you're an FBA seller, don't add it. Don't make it 18 inches, make it 17 and a half inches. Don't be stupid. It'll, it will cost you so much more money. And that, that's something that, that we've definitely taken into consideration for all of our product. If we're going to make it oversized. We're going to make it freaking oversized, you know? Yes. <laughs> we're not going to just barely make it oversized. And then also, I guess, just realize that you've kind of been given this gift to travel. If you do it right, you you have this business that's all from your computer. So take the time to set it up. I mean, we're four years into it. So we've been doing this a while. And it doesn't happen overnight, but do a little bit each day. And, and just know that if you set it up the right way, you almost have the duty to get out there and see the world before you're like 65 and retired because you can't. And I would say those would be the actionable things. I love that. Yes, that's amazing. Uh, so seeing the world, the best way to do it is to go to 330days.com and check out their blog about how you can get that tax-free year while traveling the world. So uh, I want to thank you so much for being here with us today and talking about all sorts of fun things, Amazon and traveling the world. Those are like my two most favorite things in the whole world. <laughs> oh, yeah. Maybe I should say my wife's my wife number one. I have to say like my wife's number one and then Amazon and then travel. So like, I, yeah, and I, I love it. So thank you so much for being here. This is Andrew Erickson with the Zoncom podcast. Mm-hmm.